The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Amen, church. Good to see you all. And uh, welcome to all of you for visiting and online and, and all the rest. And uh, thank you for Brian and, and KJ leading worship and, and dealing with me getting lost in my own head. And um, I'm just really thankful for you guys and thankful for the leadership of this church and, and the people here that I love so much. Um, so I've got a whole sermon here prepared to preach to you. Um, but boy, I just just standing there, what I was getting lost in is that it feels like there's a couple other things I need to preach first. And, uh, and I'm going to do that. And I hope you obviously all have your Bibles to be able to filter everything I say through God's word, certainly. But, um, but who knows, maybe I'll preach one sermon and then get to preach this, or maybe I won't. But, um, but I'm just going to, I'm shooting completely from the hip here today. Um, obviously have a sermon prepared, but I, I just have to go where I feel the Lord is leading first. Um, so I know we've already prayed multiple times, but I think sometimes our prayers become a little bit mundane and maybe a little bit scheduled in church because it's what we always do before the service and after the service and in between the singing and the preaching. And, it, and I'd just like for us to just really pray for a moment. So let's go to the Lord. Lord, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot that we go through. Father, sometimes there's just so much noise. Father, I'm, I'm not sure I even know how to be still anymore. Just to be still and know that you're God. So, Father, as you, as you fill us, our, our plea this morning is not to be emptied. Our plea this morning is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be, to be so filled with you and such that the noise just gets pushed out, that there's no room for distractions, there's no room for anxiety and worries, there's no room for those things. Because our hearts, our minds, our bodies, we just become consumed by by the nature of who you are and what it is that you've done. So, Father, we are, we are humbled by life. We're, we're brought low by our own emotions. We're, we're brought low by our own pride. If anything, Lord, we are just we are reminded of, of our great, great need for you. And so much more than that of salvation. We need you for salvation, certainly, but, but we need you today. We need you in our lives. We need your Holy Spirit to guide us. We need to be encouraged. We need to be so filled with you that, that the noise begins to 
become more faded. Father, guide your church. This group of sheep loves you, Lord. We love our shepherd. So we seek for your voice to guide us in this time. In Jesus' name. And all the church says, Amen. Amen. So, if you take, and I apologize, church, I recognize that I'm a bit of an emotional wreck this morning, but uh, it's just sweet to know that the Lord still deals with you, even for a pastor. When His Spirit can wash over you afresh and It's not quite like salvation, but it's, it's so wonderful to be filled with God's Spirit. It's so wonderful to, to have Him correct you. It's so wonderful to, to know that He's not done with you yet. It's so wonderful to have conviction of sin. Because whom the Father loves, He, he chastens. Whom the Father loves, He, he corrects. Um, the thing on my heart to share this morning is simply this. Um, I don't know much about life. I, I think I probably learned more growing up on a farm than I did in all of seminary, honestly. Um, and one of the things you learned was that if you had a, uh, a young horse, a really young horse, I don't know if you've ever seen a young horse, and I'm not talking like a foal, I'm talking like a yearling. They've got their muscles developed, and, and, and you can see them on a sunny spring day running through the pasture. I don't know if you've ever seen a horse like that, but it's one of the most impressive images I've ever seen in my life. It, it makes no surprise that Jesus is going to come back on a white horse. I mean, it's just like, man, what a, I mean, I'm so thankful he's not coming back on any other animal. Could you imagine if he came? I mean, I w- we would think less of our Savior if he came back on like a hippo or something. Like, I'm just so glad that it's a white horse, and it's going to be, I know it's going to be a beautiful white horse, and... And if you've ever seen a horse that has never had a saddle on his back and he's running through the pasture, man, it is just, it is the graceful, powerful, majestic, you, you can watch an animal running over, rutted up, full of groundhog holes in the ground, and they'll just be gliding over it. They're just, they're, just, they're, they're an amazing animal. It's an amazing creation of God when you see a young horse like that. And, but what happens over time is, if a horse is ridden a lot, whether it's without a saddle, which is what we call riding bareback or with a saddle, what happens over time is that a horse's spine begins to sway. We live in Ohio with a lot of horses around here, and we know that there's, you know, we see a lot of horses. You look out in the field and you see older ones, and, and we call them swayback. Their, their back is swayed out, and, and that happens from, from being ridden over years and years of their spine taking the shape of the tree of that saddle or the weight of a rider. And it doesn't hurt the horse, it, but it makes, you, it makes you look at them and they don't, it doesn't hurt them in the sense that they feel pain, but it, it does hinder the way that they move across the pasture. It hinders the way that they, they run across and the gracefulness and the power. They, they're, they're hindered. They don't have pain in their bodies. You can pretty well easily tell when a horse has pain and you can see an older horse my wife and I have two older horses, and both of their backs are beginning to get a little bit swayed. And they don't have pain in their backs, but, but they don't run with quite the same fluidity that they used to. 
You don't see them run across the pasture and think, man, that is just a powerful, you can watch their veins and their muscles rippling as they just glide across this, this earth that's so pitted out and holes everywhere and tractor ruts and all these things. They, just glide. they don't glide like they used to. We are in the age, church, that pastors have preached them out for decades. For decades. Longer than decades. Lifetimes that pastors have preached that, that we would enter the days when people would no longer hear sound doctrine. You, you heard these days preached about when perilous times will come, as it says there in, in Timothy. Perilous times when people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boasters, proud, arrogant, People preached about those for days, and I've just wondered how many generations of Christians have gone by where they, they come to church with their Bibles and they hear that preached and they're wondering, I mean, I wonder, is that going to be in my lifetime? And it's like all of a sudden you and I wake up and, and we're there. Like we're there. And this has made the devil very happy that, that over time the church has, has degraded itself to being this, this sway-backed animal. When, when I see the church in the early church, when I, when I see the, the design, when I, I see God's Word and, and the instruction and the correction and, and the, the pattern set forth that the church is supposed to follow, and, and we, we see God's Word as the standard, as the bar to which we are striving to. We see all that the Bible says about God's nature and about the nature of our shepherd. I mean, man, we have just so much instruction there, but you see this almost picture of the church that's supposed to be strong that's supposed to be elegant, that's supposed to be powerful, that can just glide across the earth and ground that's got pits and ruts and messes all around it, but it just continues charging forward with this mane blowing in the wind, veins popping out, muscles rippling, just gliding because of the nature of who they are. But that's not the condition of the church today. You look out and you see the church and and you may think the church has no pain, but you can tell that the church doesn't glide like it used to. The church has had some wear on it. It's got a sway back. You know, a sway-backed horse, when it's running across rutted-up ground, you know what you can expect from a sway-backed horse is that they'll trip in the ruts. And we're in a world today where, where churches are tripping on the ruts. Over, over time, over a period of time, over a long period of time of, of, of the weight of this world and the cares of this world and wanting to look like the world, the, the back has been swayed and now the, the earth that the church used to just glide right across with majestic and beauty and, and, and Christ-likeness and all these things, now it stumbles. I want you to take your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. Where we read and it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Beware, brethren, 
lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Over time, because of the cares of this world, because of the weight of this world, the world that the church used to, to, used to traverse across with great beauty and majestic and gliding and power and, and all of these things, it, it's now a sway-backed horse that stumbles. And there's a lot of reasons for this. But boy, I think this is probably just one of the really big ones. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Everyone say the word unbelief. Unbelief plagues the church today. It plagues it. It's worse than coronavirus. It's so much worse than coronavirus. Straight up unbelief. That the Word of God is true. It's not believed today. That God is, is worthy to be trusted as a truth teller. It's not trusted today. That God is faithful. It's not trusted today. And the reason is, is because of a heart of unbelief. As, as Christians over the generations have, have stood at the door to keep the wolves away, some wolves have been kept away, but some wolves have been invited in and given a cup of coffee. And some wolves have disguised themselves such that it makes people feel so comfortable to have these wolves inside their home. And here are some of the wolves that I'm talking about this morning. This heart of unbelief. It is popular today, and this, this breaks my heart, that it's popular today among Christians among Bible-believing Christians, Bible-believing Christians, that, that they don't believe that Mary was actually a virgin that first Christmas. It's trendy. It's popular not to believe that. This is a wolf of unbelief that has creeped into the believer's life, into Christian circles. It's trendy today to think that Joseph being swallowed by that fish was was just a metaphorical thing. It's trendy to say that today. Why? Because this wolf of unbelief has crept in and people don't believe it. It's trendy today to believe, to, to still say that you hold a biblical doctrine, a biblical stance in your life, yet to believe that the, the worldwide flood never happened. It's trendy to do that. Why? Because the wolf of unbelief has disguised himself to, to have a seat in your living room and to make you believe these things that just aren't true about God's Word, about the nature of who our Lord is. It's become trendy today to believe that evolution and the creation account as it is in Genesis is compatible. It's trendy in our world today. I watched a heartbreaking and disturbing, straight-up disturbing video yesterday of J.D. Greer, who's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, saying that this thing called theistic evolution, that God used the means of evolution over billions and billions of years, is perfectly fine. That yes, that's no problem at all. Why? Because I believe with all my heart, church, that he has had a heart of unbelief. He's allowed this wolf to creep in. That, 
There are certain times in Scripture when imagery is certain and plain, and you open it up and you look to yourself and you say, yes, this is absolutely talking about imagery. The book of Revelation, full of imagery, makes it difficult to interpret sometimes. Full of imagery, no question. You can hand a heathen, an absolute hell-bound person, a Bible, and open up the book of Revelation, and they will know for certain this is talking in imagery. You can hand an unbeliever the book of Song of Solomon, and they'll open it up, and they'll know, talking about imagery. Never, ever, ever would anyone ever pick up the book of Genesis, read the creation account, and think that when God says the sun went up, the sun went down, and it was one day, no one would ever believe that that was imagery. Because it's not. It speaks plainly, and it's so clear. Yet this wolf of unbelief that is a ravenous wolf and it rips apart the church and it rips apart homes and it rips apart families and it rips apart, it rips apart this faith that people have for God. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. The church used to look something different. I think, I think the picture that we have in Scripture of what the church ought to look like looks a little bit more like that young, fresh, amazing-looking animal running across the rutted-up earth rather than this swayback thing that trips over the tractor ruts. And you see the church today, even leaders, heaven forbid, Christian leaders, tripping over these ruts in the world because, because that's the rut that everyone else is tripping over. Like, well, I don't know if you've noticed, church, but all of those things, the flood, virgin birth, Jonah being swallowed by a fish, all of those things that we just mentioned, they all have to do with the power of God. Completely unexplainable to humans. You can't explain it. How does that happen? Only God can do it. Only God can flood the earth. Only God can cause the virgin to conceive. There comes this place in our life where this, this level of understanding where there's a stop sign and then God's great wisdom, great power, great understanding, it continues on and it makes you stop because your understanding is gone and you have faith to trust Him for what He says. And the world we are in today says to that stop sign, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going and, and, and come up with these humanistic explanations for why these things are true. And, and I'm, I'm, going to take, I'm going to take what God calls us in true faith. And I'm going to mesh it with these, these humanly wisdom, wisdom of the world. I'm going to mesh them together. And we see it all throughout our world today. We see these we see people inviting these wolves into their home, these, these hearts of unbelief. And it is, it is causing people to depart from God. It is. If you don't have faith, it just makes me wonder sometimes, like, okay, so you claim to be a Christian, you claim to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. And the power that that takes to, to take your place on a cross and to give you a new heart and to redeem you, and to make you new, and make you whole. You've experienced that. You've experienced that much of God's power, that much of God's goodness, that much of His grace. 
And then you're going to question whether or not he can make the earth in six days. Listen, it's all easy to God, but when God can change the heart of the sinner, he can change the broken person that was hellbound and completely change their life and break the power of sin and raise from the dead. He can do all of those things that pertain to your salvation. And then we're going to have an issue having faith in these other things that God is able to do. To me, it's becoming really clear, really fast amongst a lot of believers who really don't even believe the gospel, who don't even believe that Christ has changed them. And it's, the proof is being made, made known by all these things that the world wants them to believe that they're bowing to and going towards. And how do you not have faith? If he's changed you and he's redeemed you and he's forgiven you of your sins, how do you not have faith that he could flood the earth? How do you not have faith that he can do all that he did in six days and rest on the seventh? How do you, how do you think that, how is it a problem for him to make the virgin conceive and bear a child? How is that a problem for God when he's made your walking dead self alive in the cross? It's making it so clear. And it's heartbreaking to me to see how many people are going this way. How many people it, and see it for what it is there, church. See, Beware, brethren, lest there be any... This is something we're to be aware of. We're, we're to watch for this. We're to stand at the door with cocked lock and ready to rock. We're, we're, not, we're supposed to watch this to make sure it doesn't creep inside of us, this heart of unbelief. We don't want to invite these wolves that are disguised as things. These, these Americanized ideas, and as, from what I understand, they're all over the world. These things that the world wants everyone to believe. The things that make the world say, wait, you really believe that? Boy, that's really weird. And then, and then Christians start changing. Oh, well, yeah, maybe it is. No! Have you not been changed? Have you not experienced the great love and mercy of God? You ought to, if you've been changed by Him like that, six-day creation ought to be no problem. If you've really been changed by Him, the earth-wide flood, no problem. Virgin birth, no problem, because you've got faith. Your heart is no longer old and dead, it's new. And it's a new heart that loves God, that trusts Him, that has faith in Him. So let's see it for what it is this morning, church. Beware, brethren, lest there be an evil heart of unbelief. This is something we're to beware of. And we're also supposed to recognize that this, is, this heart of unbelief, it is an evil heart. This is not the regenerated heart. This is an evil heart of unbelief, and it departs from God. The departed, non-saved, hell-bound heart departs from God. It leaves Him. It's not a child of God. It's not someone that's been saved and redeemed. Beware lest those unbelieving hearts, evil hearts, departing from be, Don't let that come amongst you because it's going to start causing you to have a sway back. And the things that cause you to trip, that used to not cause you to trip, are now going to cause you to trip. Man, I'll tell you what, there are leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention that are long since dead. They would turn over in their grave if they knew what was happening today. It's unbelievable the questioning, the lack of faith that is put in God's Word. So what the world thinks you're crazy? The world thinks you're crazy that you believe in Jesus. So forget them. This is about God and His Word. What's important to you? And believers, not just in the Southern Baptist Convention, but all over the place, are showing what is so important to them. And it's not God, it's not God's Word, it's not the cross, it's what people think. How stupid is that? It's what people think. And I say it's stupid, but honestly, it is powerful. It is a powerful thing. Peer pressure is an amazingly powerful thing that will get you to say and do all kinds of things that you never thought you would do or say. 
Beware, brethren, lest there be any in you, any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. In departing from the living God. So, church, I the first thing that I thought before I felt the Lord really just so impressed my heart to preach this this morning was, man, as our church has grown like there's this picture in scripture of, of, of the church being this family and, and you don't care. You kind of have this reckless abandon about you care. Like you don't care what the world thinks. You're a family together. You're trusting in Jesus. Your only hope is in him. You're together worshiping him. That's the picture that we have. And that is undeniable in scripture that that is the picture for the church that we have at any point in whether it was the Old Testament, New Testament, I don't care what part of the scriptures you're looking at. That's the picture. A group of people that love God, that are following Him, and sometimes doing really crazy things that the world thinks you're nuts for. And that's, that's the path that they walked. And I feel this pull in our church as our church has grown. There's this, there's this worldly pull, and not in the sinful type of way, but in the, in the way that would move us more into a system, more into a program more into it, less about the cross, more into making sure that you don't step on people. So I, as a pastor, feel the draw to that, and I hate it. If I could use a stronger word from this pulpit, I would. I hate it. <laughs> I hate that draw. I don't want this pulpit to ever be about anything but the cross. I don't want our fellowship to be about anything other than the cross. I don't want it to become about this about this tripping on things just because the world sees something that they think we're... So what? Let us run this race with endurance. Let us run this race the way that we ought, with, with Scripture as our guide and with faith. There's lots of things in Scripture we don't understand, but do you have faith? Do you believe that God is three and one? Because that is impossible for the human mind to understand, yet it is what God's Word teaches. I fear greatly what will be coming next in the circles of many believers, of many believers and perhaps even some large denominations, is this continual questioning of saying, well, it's not important that God made the earth in six days. It's just important that he was the one that did it. The next thing that will be coming is they will be circling around the very person and work of Christ. They will be saying that certain elements like the cross are not important. Well, it's not important that he died on a cross. It's just important that he was the Savior and, and that he was the savior and they'll start removing elements just the way that they've removed you see the devil working you see the ramping up of how this is going they'll be removing elements from the gospel and they've already done it you, you see this you see this dumbing down of sin you see this you see this sway backed skinny old nag tripping across all the all the things that it used to just be able to run across why because it's it hadn't had this wearing on it. It hadn't had this weight to continually forget the weight, forget the weight of the culture, what they're telling us to do, what they're telling us to believe. If you're a Christian today, lots and lots of people think you're nuts. Good. Let them think it. It's the reason they thought we were nuts that brought people to the church. It was the reason they thought John the Baptist was nuts that brought all those Roman soldiers out that repented and got baptized. It was the reason that they were nuts that did a lot of great things. So let us, church, not be wild and redneck like I am just because that's who I am. Let us cast the oft away completely aside the systems and the programs. Let us get back here, shall we? I think it's a good idea that we get to this place where we don't care what people think anymore. We don't care. We've got God's Word, and we believe it. 
We've got faith to believe it. And we're going. We're going the way of the cross. We're going the way of salvation. We're going the way that God has called us to go. Who cares what anybody else thinks? And if you don't like it, then leave it. But that's the way I want to go. I don't want to go this systemized way and you know, I, 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 as a pastor, I don't really want to have the problems other pastors have. I, I, I'm, I'm not really intrigued by, by the way many churches look today. I'm not. I'd like for us to get real unprofessional. I'd like for us to get really raw with the cross. I'd like to get, for us to get really real with each other. Really real about our sin. Really real about what God is convicting us of and how He's drawing us closer to Him and how how he's doing a work among his people. I'm intrigued by that. And I'm excited about that. But here I am, I thought this... I was actually going to be preaching about money today, but that's not happening today, so... <laughs> you saw my illustration right there. I was going to finish up Philippians chapter 4, and we were going to be on with that. But the Lord has other plans, so... Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. I don't want this church to depart from the living God. I, I don't want us to go the way everyone else is going. I don't want us to, to, to try and weigh the balance of a hellbound culture and Christ-likeness and trying to walk this stupid bridge where everyone's happy with us. I don't want to do that. I don't want to lead you in that. I don't want to do it myself. I don't want to do that. I want to do something. I, I, I want. I want this to be. I want this to be the bar. I want this to be the guide. And if there's traditions and culture, I mean, I tell you what. I, something I've been so thankful about in this church as I've been here over a year is I've watched some of you people. Most everyone in here is new, but for those of you that have been here for a long time, man, I have watched you. I have watched you bring out the golden calves, that, that, that the traditional things, the way that things have always been done, which is common for anybody when you've been in a church for a long time. I have watched you as this church has grown. I have watched you slaughter your own golden calves. And man, I love you for it. It is proof that you love Jesus more than the traditions of the way that things have been done. I love the families here. You have no idea how much I'm humbled for it, and I love the families that have been at this church for a long time. You guys love Jesus, and it shows. It shows. So, so let us continue with that same great heart that you have. Let us as the church, even as we're growing, not go into this place, that, that the direction, that this, the place, that I can feel it. I can feel the church being drawn into this place. I don't want to go that way, church. I don't. Not as this church grows, not as our budget grows, not as all these things happen that we're very thankful to the Lord for. Just perhaps the reason that the Lord has blessed us so much, even in a COVID season, is because we do have a vision to go this way and we don't really care about that. And I really want to do it side by side with you. I want, I want this pulpit to always be about the cross. I don't want this to be about a system. I don't want this to be about my ego or being right. Listen, there's biblical things that I've preached about that, that I, I'm planning to meet with the elders about because I think I might be off on some things. And I'm humble enough to recognize, if, I was this, if this was about try, me trying to build myself up, I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be having those meetings. But I, I really want to, I want to see God, I want to see the shepherd lead his flock. And just so you know, I'm, I'm not the shepherd. Jesus is. He's entrusted me for this kind of space, which is so humbling. But, but I, want, I want to lead us in what's right. I want to lead us in what's real. 
I, I don't want this to be a system. I don't want this to be a spectator sport. One of the gentlemen in the new members class that we had just before, just before service, he asked, is the vision for the church for people just to come and sit and give their tithe and then leave? Or is the vision for the church for people to be involved in using their gifts? And I'm glad he asked the question because it's a really good question, but it, it really it shows, the, it shows the condition of where we're at. It shows the condition, of, it shows how sway back the church is today. That you even have to ask a question like that. And it's a good question. A lot of people should be asking that question. But boy, what a shame that we even have to ask that. Yeah, like, I want you to give your tithe, sit, and do nothing. Like, yeah, I, this way. This way. Church, I love you, but I love Jesus more. I want to see our shepherd move among us. I want, I want to see his guidance. I don't, I don't really care about numbers and attendance and budget. I, I want to see people go from death to life. And I see in this programmatic, trying to bow down and please the culture, I, the, the vision gets lost real fast when we let in these, these unbelieving wolves among us into our homes that just rip apart the gospel and make it such that no one's getting saved. Holy Spirit doesn't do anything in the church. Nothing's going on. There's, maybe the church is growing like crazy, but you've got a bunch of lukewarm believers that get angry when you preach something that's right out of God's Word and not interested. Not interested. Don't want to go there at all. And, and I just want you to know, especially from some of the things that I've heard from pastors people sometimes not even in ohio if and, and church hear me hear my humble heart in this this is not about me trying to make new covenant sound like a different kind of church that's not the goal but the goal is to be different if you understand what i'm saying I, it if we are trusting our lord together and we're moving forward together it, it's going to make even a lot of people that profess to be christians to think you're crazy it will some people, already, some people already think I'm crazy. They're already going to think you're crazy. Just, just remember that there's a whole bunch of people. A whole bunch. When Jesus says, wide is the way that leads to destruction, and there's a whole bunch of folks on it. But narrow is the way that leads to life, and there's only a few. Church, I believe with all my heart that when you look at our world, at the, at the people in the world today that say they are believers, it is becoming so clear to me just how narrow that gate is. It is super, super narrow. And there will be a lot of people that you have thought have been Christians for years that if you choose to continue in this church and to really see the Bible for what it is, to see it preached, to not, to not let God's Word be touched. Don't touch the Gospel. It's perfect. It's perfect. Every part of it was needed to save you. Every part of it was needed to save me. I believe that God tells the truth when He says six days and creation was done and He rested on the seventh. God, God knows how much of a dunce I am to make sure He even tells me sun goes up, sun goes down, one day. Amen. And I believe Him. I believe He is a truth teller. I'm so crazy, I believe He's not even able to lie. I believe He is faithful. I believe He is just. I believe He is perfect. I believe His Word is perfect. I believe it's absolutely what we need. And I believe that any time that we start bowing to what the culture thinks, what they want us to do, the way they make us feel uncomfortable, shame on any believer that bows to any of that. Is the gospel, is the cross not worth our full devotion, church? 
because I'm convinced that it is. Would you stand with me and we can come to music? I guess I could have you sit down and I could preach the whole message I planned, but church, I love you. But I love Jesus a whole lot more. I love his word. And I, I'm just saying to you, and to be honest and transparent, for you to see this as it truly is, the draw that I feel to this programmatic system, making the culture happy, it's something I want to repent before the Lord for. And I want to say as your pastor, forgive me for even having that feeling. Because what, the cross, what Jesus has done for me calls me to so much different than to even think that than to even think it. Shame on me. So I want to do this right. I want to do it with you. Let's pray. Father, forgive me for... Forgive us for this pattern, Lord, that that we're drawn towards this, this sway back, stumbling over the trench kind of pathetic way down by the world way Lord we don't want that we we want to run faster we want to look like the bride that we ought to look before you Lord forgive us for any notion that we have forgive us for any of the knowledge and thinking of man that we have trusted in Lord Jesus, what you have done, it ought to be proof to our hearts, Lord. It ought to be proof to our hearts that you have the power, that you know what you're doing. And it's enough for us to say yes and amen, Lord. Yes and amen. If your word tells me things that convict me, yes and amen. If your word tells me things that I don't understand, yes and amen. If you tells me things that are humanly impossible but only possible for you then yes and amen Jesus we need you we need you as our shepherd to guide us Lord let, our, let the attitude of our hearts towards those who have evil hearts evil hearts of unbelief let us be gracious with them. Let us be calm to them. Let us be, let us be loving towards them, but, but let us love them enough to tell them the truth. To remind them to beware. To beware of those evil hearts that will lead to a departing from God. I don't want to depart from You, Lord. I don't want this church to depart from You. Lord, there are so many that profess You, but they are departing from You. God, would you give us a burden for those people? Would you give us a great love and passion for even believers, people that have said they're believers for decades? Would you give us the boldness and the courage to look at them square in the eye and to, to remind them to beware, to make, to, make sure they're, to make sure of their calling, to make sure of their salvation, to make sure they're not building up idols that they love more than you? We need you, Lord. Your church needs you. We need you desperately.
We need your word to come alive in our hearts. We need it to be alive in our lives. We need to, we need to, we need to know that our shepherd is leading us, Lord. God, there's so much lostness. There's so much depravity, Lord. Your church is this crippled thing. Lord, strengthen us. Guide us. Don't let the weight of everything bog us down such that we're tripping over things we ought not to be tripping over. Keep our vision sure for what is right and what is most important. In Jesus' matchless name, and we all say together, let's humbly and joyfully worship our Lord together.